Hi, everybody. I hope you're having a fantastic day and thank you for listening to this week's pod. This week, we have a fantastic guest named Seta. Seta is currently in Armenia and witnessing the atrocities going on there. This episode was actually not supposed to come out for a while, but she asked that we bring it forward, get it out there a little bit earlier, and I 100% agreed with her so that we can highlight what's going on and tell more people about it. We do talk a little bit about it during the episode, but I thought it's really important for us to get more information out there, set up everything very well. And she even wrote a statement that I'm going to read now. Many of you might not have heard of what's going on in Arkash, also known as Nakorno Karapag. Armenians in Arkash are going through a genocide organized by Azerbaijan and Turkey with the support of big countries like Russia and Israel. Over 6,000 Armenians have been forcibly removed from their homes in Arkesh and are now refugees in Armenia. Most Armenians have had their houses burned, leaving behind their ancestral lands, their heritage, their belongings, and so much more. Armenians around the world are devastated and our hearts are shattered by this reality. We feel helpless in front of imperialism, big governments, and greed. It feels like history is repeating itself. We have learned through the Armenian genocide that happened in 1915 through stories. To be living it again is a kind of pain that I cannot find words to describe, but I feel it deeply in, the, in my bones and through my ancestral DNA. The world found out about the Armenian genocide in 1915 because of a European journalist recording it and talking about it. So I kindly ask, especially non-Armenian folks and allies for solidarity, to talk about what's happening, even if it's uncomfortable, and even if it's painful. We are always stronger together. I urge anyone who has the means to donate to and follow the work of allforarmenia.org, which is supporting Armenians. I'm currently volunteering with them Supporting Displaced Families from Arkesh. Thanks again, Seta. So the link will be in the show notes along with some articles from some reputable sources about the conflict. Thank you so much. Again, as Seta said, if you have the means, you can um, donate to allforarmenia.org. And you can also support, as Seta said, you can support the Armenians by talking about it. And just like she said, telling people about it. Again, even if it's uncomfortable, it's important that we get the word out there. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Okay, hi everybody. Welcome to Dine with the Divine. I'm your host, Ashley, and together we'll be exploring the magical, the mystical, and everything in between. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about... We're going to be talking a lot about Armenia, so let's just start there. Um, I'll explain everything later. So I hope you're having a great day, and if not, I hope it gets better. So today we have a fantastic guest, as always. We have Seta. So Seta is a writer, medium, and artist who supports emerging mystics and spiritual leaders and connects them to their intuition and follow their and helps them follow their dreams through cultivating a deep relationship to themselves, their dreams, to spirit, and to their ancestors and plantcestors, loving that, to reach emotional and spiritual liberation and sovereignty. 
Stetz's work is focused on healing our relationship with Mother Earth, to our bodies, and to pleasure. She's the owner and CEO of Arev Alchemy. Okay. Stetza has been trained in modalities of flower essence healing, mediumship channeling, coffee cup readings, and theta healing. Her work is dedicated to bridging the gap between the material and spiritual realms, connecting to our roots, supporting empaths and people pleasers, and reaching liberation for all bodies, and most importantly, having a good time doing it. She loves to travel, teach flower essences, making teach flower essence making workshops and and offer coffee readings being raised in syria in an armenian household she identifies as swana and aspires to be a community spiritual lead and aspires to be a community spiritual herbalist also quick note i was like what's swana so i looked it up this is a definition everybody because i think it's important i was like i never heard of this so swana is a decolonized word for the south west asian and north african region in the place of middle eastern near eastern arab world or islamic world that have colonial eurocentric and orientalist origins and are created to conflate contain and dehumanize our people so we use swana to speak of the diversity of our communities and to forward the most vulnerable in our, I'm saying our, but I don't, I'm not included, but you know what I'm saying? I got this from the website, liberation, and who is included in Swana people. They invite all people of communities from Southwest Asia and Northern African regions, including, but not limited to Kurds, Nubians, Sudanese, Armenians, Syr- Syrians, Arab, Iranians, Druze, Assyrians, Kladians. I never say that word wrong, right? I'm so sorry if I didn't say it. Turks, Yazidis, Aziz, Turkmen, Afghans, Azeris, thank you, Cops, Imagian, I'm sorry, and others identifying with their intersections in the spirit of third world feminism. We do not believe our struggles are the same, but rather rooted in our differences. We ask the question, can we show up for each other in the face of white supremacy, imperialism, heteropatriarchy, and capitalism? We do not we practice not solidarity, but join struggles rooted in our differences. Ooh, this is from the Swana Alliance. So that is from the Swana Alliance. I learned something else that I wasn't expecting to learn. That was very exciting. Um, <laughs> so, Setsa, how are you today? I am good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I always try to ask people, what started you on your spiritual journey? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So I was just talking about this to a friend of mine, like today, we were talking about how my supernatural gifts started kicking in when I was like a kid. I was extremely sensitive. I knew what was going out or I understood everything that was going around me without really knowing the language as a kid. I just knew what was happening. Mm -hmm. And um, the dream world like really opened me up to the supernatural yeah. And my first encounter was like, I remember I did something like I should not have done as a kid. And mm-hmm. then in a dream, Mother Mary showed up and like really comforted me and let me know that like, I what I did was not malicious. And I was very comforted. I, I always remember that dream. Like, it's just so embedded in my memory. And I've had in two, 2009, my dad passed away. It was mm-hmm. very sudden. And I remember intuitively where I, I had this urge to go and give him one last kiss. It just, it, it literally, my body just drove me there. 
I didn't realize what was happening at the time. But later on, I realized, oh, that was me knowing that was the last time I was going to see him. And that's why I wanted to have that one last, give him one last kiss. Yeah. And after he passed, it opened me up to um, mediumship, more or less. He would just send me messages or when I was in like, um, I felt like I was somewhere where I couldn't handle it. I would just call on him and ask him to do something and he'd do it. So Mm. I just started that opened it up for me in a way oh good and then like I dove like really into it in 2020 when I was on a like a meditation retreat like I I wanted to connect to nature more came back like COVID hit we were in isolate everyone was in isolation I was like I had this urge to connect to nature more Mm. and it was that's when flower essences presented themselves to me I had no idea what they were yeah and what they are they're like energetic formulas so it's they don't carry the biochemistry of a plant they're pure energy so they're like little like sun potions that like we get to use and like heal ourselves and our lineage uh, and feel closer to nature by doing so and it you don't need a lot of the like it's very sustainable way of communing with the plant world and like it has a big part of it has like ritual involved in it. So like a big part of it is like creating that ceremonial space and having that communion and like that conversation, that permission with the land, with like the plant spirits and just like um, it's such a delicate way of having a connection and like going deeper with like plants or um, what whatever it is that you're working with like what like a, ge- a stone a gem a crystal yeah i love that thank you for telling us about um how you got there that's yes. really interesting i love how so flower essences are new to me so i was like looking at your website and seeing how you like what you talk about it and so yes i see how it can be very connecting to nature. I love that. Like using nature to use all these things to heal yourself. And I know you like teach workshops on how to do yeah. That's really neat. I love that. I, and- I teach workshops on how to uh, collect an essence of a plant. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Okay. I and love also, that. also like in my coffee readings. So um, in my coffee readings, I prepare the coffee and then I offer it. I co- offer the coffee to the ancestors and mm-hmm. then I do the reading. So like regardless whether you like drink coffee or you don't drink coffee, everyone can get like a coffee reading. They don't necessarily have to consume it. Their like energy of like presence is enough. Okay. And I use drops of the essence as I'm making the coffee. So like oh, as wow. they're getting the reading, they're being introduced into like the es- – like. It, it it's like obviously it'll be like more subtle than actually taking it but like yeah. this is a good way of like introducing essences into your like energy field oh. <laughs> oh that's beautiful and that's just like that's like i feel like that's like that instant connection with like nature it's like you don't even have to try when you're using that and the fact that you put that in your coffee readings is very unique um yes yeah, like it's I feel like it's a new spiritual technology that I'm actually like experimenting with and having fun with and just mm-hmm. like it just it takes everything like it go it goes it helps me go deeper with like the person and 
also as we go deeper it's also light like i like we talk about heavy things in a light manner mm-hmm. yes yes and so i wanted to ask you too about the coffee reading so i think at least my perception of coffee readings i've it has changed i, I always thought they were more like fortune telling kind of readings only yeah. Yeah, but then I see that a lot deeper than that. And it really gets into some like really interesting things like you're talking about. So I was I was learning about it and reading about it. I was like, oh, okay, it's more than just like a fortune telling thing. It can really be a very deep for some people that I was reading, very life changing kinds of readings Absolutely. that people do. I mean, it was life changing for me. It was I was like in a very dark place when I when I got like a coffee reading through like my first me- mentor in the spiritual in the spirituality realm. I can say that literally lifted me up from that darkness that I was in. It gave me hope. And here I am offering coffee readings myself. I also want to mention that I grew up with like coffee readings. It was culturally very common in in my family so the women would gather after lunch mm-hmm. where at my grandfather's house and we would one person would, would be looking at everyone's cup and just guess guessing or just telling what's going on what they see if there's gonna be like a suitor coming or like just like in a very fun um gossipy kind of um way so like yeah. I loved it I it was my I loved doing it from the get-go Mm-hmm. So, and it's because like you've mentioned like it's been it's been perceived as like this fortune telling thing so it's mm-hmm. like somehow like when you do it as a profession or like as one of the things that you do it's a little bit for me uh talking for myself it's frowned upon like in my family yeah. like my mom is almost ashamed from this part of like work that I do but mm-hmm. I'm just very like passionate about it and I know how, I know the impact it had on me and I know that mm-hmm. that the way it's like one of the main tools that I feel comfortable enough to work with people and share my gifts with others. And um, I'm at a point where I know there is no pursuing this path. So good for you living in your ultimate truth. I love that. Thank you. Yes. That is is to be celebrated. I love that. Um, We are going to go to our next section where we talk about our dishes of the week. So And I'm going to mention before we talk about this, I have a little bit of a, I always really enjoy like Armenian history and culture. So (laughs) when I was in high school, I, everybody's like, why did you do this? I took a class called genocide. Sad, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's pretty sad, but I took this class and we all had to do a project. So I ended up learning about the Armenian genocide and I was shocked that everybody doesn't know about this, number one. And I was also shocked about just how horrible it was. So ever since then, I love Armenian people. Like, I know many Armenian people. Like, the resilience of Armenian people is pretty outstanding and amazing. And I just want to mention that because I just really like, Armenian culture like I started just learning a little bit about it and it's just really to me the whole to me out of this really horrible thing that happened this group of people were so like 
you know what, we're just gonna, we're just gonna keep going. And yes, this happens in a lot of places. I'm not saying other people don't do that. They do, of course. But I think just for me, like at that time, when I was reading about it, the awfulness of the whole situation, the fact that like, not many people really knew anything was even going on. There was like, very, and I'm not sure how many, but I know there was one reporter, this is in 1915, everybody, there was like one reporter who got in, because the Ottoman Empire was like, nobody can come in here. There was like one guy who got all the information. He took pictures. He wrote his notes and took it back to America. And that's how people even knew what was happening. Because everybody's like, we don't know what's going on there. And that's how they knew. But the fact that all of this happened, the people like the people of Armenia were like, we're just going to keep going on. And you're like, wow. It's really, if, if you want to learn more, I, I really suggest that you, if you can, read you know and learn about it just because i think it's a really important thing that everybody should know that's just my little spiel about armenia (laughs) yeah i also want to add that like Mm -hmm. we currently unfortunately i i feel like the armenian genocide has not stopped it maybe Mm -hmm. stopped on like a maybe a macro level but like on a micro level it still continues to this Mm -hmm. day i i I talk about this on my page a lot and it's like the blockade that azerbaijan is doing currently in in artsakh so -hmm. it's like they have in there was a war that happened in 2022 between azerbaijan and artsakh and azerbaijan is someone that's very equipped and artsakh is basically a small region in it's an armenian it's considered armenian but it's technically independent of armenia Mm -hmm. but we there is no armenia without artsakh in a way so yeah azerbaijan claims those lands Mm -hmm. for whatever reason and like Turkey and Azerbaijan work together to rewrite history and claim those lands as theirs. But, and right now, the it's blocked, like, there is no, any kind of supplies is, like, going in or out of Artsakh region. So there have been many de- death, deaths because of uh, starvation. So it's like a modern day genocide, and because they control a lot, no, no one is actually able to stop them from doing this. France actually went with ten trucks filled of eight, filled eight like with aid, trying to get there, but they did not let them go in. So it's it's literal like they're trying to suffocate the people as much as they can to basically get them out of there and claim the land. Like b- before the war in 2022, Artsakh was bigger, mm-hmm. but now they took over more, Azerbaijan took more lands and there were so many displaced folks, but there are like that came to Yerevan or came to, Yerevan is the capital of Armenia mm-hmm. or came to like just villages around Armenia. And there are a lot of organizations that are like help or help them settle down. But still to this day, there's like a lot of like people who aren't able to find work. They're very, it's that like very, yeah, it's like a modern day genocide. And being here, it's literally people in the city are like a little bit um, like detached from like Mm -hmm. what's happening. Like they're almost like blocking it out yeah yeah Um, but this is like the reality of like what we're living right now and I'm like I always used to say like how did the world like allow like the genocide in 1915 to happen Mm -hmm. and now we're looking like we're living it right now in like in the modern day but it's like 
no one's really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Armenia has this, like, we have a little bit of land left, and it's like, it feels like they're doing what they were meant to do, almost. Yeah. Like, which is continue their genocidal ways of um, existing. It's really, I'm going to, I'm going to do some, in the show notes, I'll put some information about everything that Seta's talking about, and I will put any links I can find, any organizations where they're trying to help, so everyone can know more about that. But yeah, it's, I think, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I really think it's hard, and I know people say, well, I can't know about everything. You can't know about everything. I understand. But I think when somebody is here to highlight it, it's something else to put in your, okay, I understand this. I know this. I think it's so, it just helps the global community when we all can say, okay, this thing is happening in the world. Maybe I don't know anybody who's Armenian, but at least you know something about it. And if there's anybody who talks about it or any way you can spread the message about how this thing is happening and it's wrong i think it's really important for all of us we're all responsible to take care of each other no matter where we're from so thank you for bringing that up so we can all educate ourselves and know about that also fun fact my favorite armenian celebrity is not the kardashians (laughs) (laughs) it is serge from system of a down Um, he actually has an Armenian coffee brand. Um, really? Yes. That's so cool. yes. I love so yes. I I love System of a Down. And also, I remember I think it was in 2015. I know it was because it was a hundred years. He was making like a documentary about the Armenian genocide, and then I saw a clip of it, and he was just like in the woods or something, and it was bordering Turkey, and they like. St- this is how I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's not funny at all. It's ridiculous. That's why I'm laughing everybody about this fact. So he was like talking to this soldier who's like, oh, like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm making a like I'm making a documentary about the genocide. And they're like, what genocide? You guys, I'm not kidding you right now. The Turkish people still this is 100 years later. They still act like it didn't happen. There's pictures. <laughs> There's pictures. There's people who have written books. Oh, another fun fact I learned. Actually, the other day, the lady whose recipe made rice aroni. Okay, I've forgotten her name. I apologize, ma'am. She, I think she's passed away now. But the lady whose recipe made San Francisco rice aroni, she was an Armenian refugee who ended up in San Francisco. She wrote a book about everything that happened to her, all the, all the, what she went through. It was crazy. And then she had these neighbors, right? And she would make this like rice pilaf dish and they loved it and they were italian the neighbor's husband was like damn this shit is good and he worked for a macaroni company and he found a way to like package it for real for real i did not know that was it's so interesting that is very i didn't know this either yes i will find the lady's name and i will put (laughs) then she wrote a book she wrote a memoir it's very cool so yeah you know more about armenians than you think you do everybody (laughs) no way more than you everywhere though that's the beautiful thing we're literally everywhere it's very cool yes and oh, and not only Serge is Armenian, everybody in System of the Down is of, yes. of Armenian heritage, just so you know. It's very cool. But I just love Serge because I think he's cool. <laughs> and he's like a musical genius. Like he does recordings for everything. He works with different orchestras. He's like really amazing. He's one of the best heavy metal vocalists ever. He's what he's known of. Anyway, okay, I'll stop talking about System of the Down. Okay. 
No, I love that they showed up, honestly. I love that. <laughs> I'm like, how can I mention some of it down at yeah. some point in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I did it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so today, now we're going to go to our dishes of the week. And because we're celebrating everything that's Armenia, we're going to talk about some Armenian foods. One really cool thing about Armenia is it's really at like a crossroads of the continent. So they have lots of influences from other cultures, including like their indigenous culture. So they have foods that are similar to other people's, but then they have completely unique food. So it's very neat. So the first thing we have here is a food that is a, it's something that a lot of countries have, but it is the Armenian version of like a kebab. It's called a korots, kororots. Okay, thank you. Korovats, now yes. again, That's everybody kebab, pronunciation. Literally. Do my it's, best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. basically means barbecue. Okay, great. There we go. Yes. We have yes. kebabs. Yeah, yes. I don't need to explain kebabs. Everybody knows what kebab is, and it looks really yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, a staple here in Armenia. Like, any household, yeah. like, on a Sunday, you'll see, like, people outside making, like, the, the, the barbecue, like, the mm-hmm. barbecuing with, like, their vodka shots, and they'll invite you if, like, you're just passing around, and whoever passes gets to join. Nice. Oh, I love that. Then we have kiyufta. 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 Kufta, okay. Yes, yes. Mm, okay, so this is a dish that is also seen a lot in different, like, Arab countries. But like I said, because Armenia is a crossroads, they have yes. their own version. It is a light, it can be minced meat, lightly spiced, and mixed with crushed wheat and onions. And it's rolled up into a spinning top shape. Yep. Yep, okay. And usually you can use, you can eat it with... A dash of pomegranate molasses and brown mm-hmm. sugar. Oh, is it sweet and or like? Uh, it's just like uh, pomegranate molasses. Just is like used a lot across the, the our dishes. Okay. Especially like in Lebanese dishes, Lebanese and Syrian dishes. Oh, it it's also very common to eat it with yogurt or like lebni, which is like like kefir cheese kind of. Vibe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Also yogurt, yeah, vibes, yeah. Yeah, yogurt vibes. I love it. We also have dolma. Yes. Yes, which is like your grape leaves or... So dolma in Arme- in Western Armenian. In Eastern mm-hmm. Armenian, dolma is used for the uh, grape leaves. But in, in my culture and how we grew up, dolma mm-hmm. is basically stuffed bell peppers, okay. uh, red bell peppers, or not zucchini. Or like, yeah, zucchini is stuffed zucchini. It's just a dish that's very dolma flavor. It's the same flavored as the one with the grape vines. It's just mm-hmm. juicier. Okay. But nice. also ri- stuffed with rice and minced beef. Okay. Okay. We're eating it. So we have, okay. And it says like, this is a, this is one of those recipes where each family may have a slightly different yes. recipe. Okay. Exactly. Beautiful. I love those kinds of recipes. Okay, we have this thing that as soon as I saw it, I really wanted to eat it. Zeta, I do not mean to offend you. I'm <laughs> no, so sorry. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. There's a lot of like, and there's also, I've realized when I'm reading, like in Armenian, there's a lot of um, like, what do you call them? There's a lot of different marks on letters. Okay, 
Let's let me go into my other spiel. Again, we have a problem here with one of these languages that when you trans when you try to use English lettering and English stuff, it gets very difficult because it's not meant to be like that. Because I feel like we try to anglicize things all the time, and yeah. when we anglicize, it's completely wrong. So like, <laughs> so, so people will write something, and I'm like, that's not it because this other language is not meant to be anglicized. So. That's just my note on language. Don't forget that. Some languages aren't meant to be like that. And that's okay. Because we love it. It makes the world go round. So this one. And oh, another note real quick. I was reading like, and we're going to get to our folktale a little bit later. But I was reading about folktales. And a lot of Armenia for a landlocked country has a lot of folktales about fish. And (laughs) surprisingly, they have a lot of folktales about fish. And I was like, what's going on? But apparently there's like a lot of, or a large lake. So, so that, in like occupied Armenia, uh, or like yeah, there there mm-hmm. used to be a lot of like lakes and uh, yes, yeah. Okay, that's why because I was like, huh, you guys got a lot of fish stories. Yeah, yes, we do. <laughs> that's so funny. So this, okay, speaking of fish, that's why I'm talking about it. This is called Ishkanatsuk. Yes. So yes. this is it's in okay. Lake Sevan, yeah. Yes, that's it. Yes, yeah. So this is a fish dish. And it's made from a very meaty trout. So this trout is a big trout and it can be prepared in a bunch of different ways. It can be boiled, fried, braised with almonds. And it's a very famous dish that is cooked in wine and pepper, tarragon, chives. And it can be stuffed with local hazelnuts or apricots. And people will go from different places to eat this because it's just very popular and it's popular near that Sevan, that lake. So I love that. People go to, re- there's a lot of restaurants, I guess, that cook it, but they're near the lake. Exactly, so, yeah. Nice. They get the, the fish from the lake and they catch the fish and they prepare it. It's like that area is known for their Ishkanatsu. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. Beautiful. So people go to those restaurants and you can sit on the lake and eat your fish. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put pictures, too, of all these places and the foods. Then we have Manti. Manta, yes. Manta, okay. This is a... This also is something I was like, I'll eat this right now. It's a delicious baked dumpling served in tomato sauce with a garlicky yogurt on the side. Oh, you guys love the, again, yogurt vibes. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> we love we our love, yogurt. We love the yogurt vibe. Yeah. I've been like, since I've been in Armenia, I've been, so th- I mean, I know they sell this in the States too. So like salty yogurt drinks, mm-hmm. it's basically water and yogurt and salt. I've been like drinking that instead of water, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's probably good for like your digestion and stuff yeah. too, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone in Armenia has great digestive systems because yes. they've got the yes. yogurts. We're doing great. Um, <laughs> no one has any problems and I love it. So we have, yes, we have this delicious dish. It's like, it's very cool too the way it looks. They're like little, almost like little diamond shape things, and then you can put them like in a circle. It's very aesthetically pleasing, I have to say. Um, yeah. They're delicious. Yeah, it's very like it's all the kids love this dish. If, mm. if a kid is picky, like they will eat manta. 
Okay. Yeah. I love it. It's like little dumplings and you dip it in the yogurt. Ooh, this is like an experience too, it looks like. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Yes. There is a restaurant here called Manta actually. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. <laughs> I love that. And then we have <sighs> Hapama. Hapama. Okay, thank yes. you. God, it sounds yes. so much better when you say it. I love it. So this dish they said is from southern Armenia, and is but people like it throughout their country. So this now looks like a very interesting, almost like a pie. So, but basically, it's a pumpkin, a butternut pumpkin, scooped out and then stuffed with rice and dried fruits, and it's a real. Really good food to eat in the winter and is popular with uh, vegetarians because there's no meat in it. Yes. Yeah. It's one of our only dishes without meat. Okay. I mean, not so, really, but like we have more options, but like one of the more known dishes without meat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sure other dishes you could just not put meat in it yes. if you want it or something. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's dried fruits can be used in it. Like people use apples, prunes, plums, and or apricots. Say yes. apricots yes. are a big thing in Armenia, apparently, yes. according it's to like this a article. Mm -hmm. Okay. And people eat this and serve it, you know, like a dessert, it sounds like. You can eat it. it. Sounds very good. And then we have gata, which seems to be go with coffee. Yes. So in my all of the workshops that I've either like held circles or spaces, and I always have gata there as a like just with coffee or with tea. Mm -hmm. It's basically, it's very sweet. It's also very easy to make. Shout mm. out to my friend and her mom who made them. Time. It's just <laughs> sugar and dough, basically, and it's delicious. Okay. Loving that. Okay, yeah. sugar and, and dough. Usually, rapama, going back to rapama, is like a dish that we make around Samhain. Um, okay. Yeah, and then also like the Armenian Halloween that happens in February. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, I love it. I love how, and I also love <clears throat> how every every country in the world just has like their one like sugar water dough dish. Like, I, <laughs> like literally, every literally. single country, we all have it. You just do it. Maybe sometimes it's fried, sometimes it's baked, right. sometimes it's soft, sometimes it's, they don't care. They're just. Sometimes every country it has cinnamon in it, like literally. Yeah. Every country figured out they're like, we need this. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Okay. Yay. So we're gonna do a quick plug and then we'll move on. So if you enjoy the show, you can follow me on any of the socials. I'm Dime with the Divine on Instagram and Facebook. If you really like the show, I'd love you to give me a uh, five-star rating if you'd like on Apple or Spotify. And you can always give me a tip. That's in the show notes. And if you have any questions or suggestions or comments, or if there's anything you want to say about anything I say, feel free. I'm not gonna bite. You can always tell me. You can email me at dime with the divine pod at gmail.com okay so next we're gonna go on to our next section so one of the things that i first ever in my life knew about armenia because i really love religion and we like reading about religion was that armenia was one of the first countries to be completely christian and this happened in the fourth century 301 uh, 301. Woo, right at the beginning. They said, yeah. let's get this started quick. Oh, they shit. are the first. It is the first nation to fully. It is the first. Thank yeah. you. I didn't want to say it because I was like, I'm not absolutely sure. So I'm going to yeah. say one of the first. But you're right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Okay. 
It is the First Nation. So when we think about it, we're like, okay, they've been Christian for a long time. Part of the reason they had so much problems when the Ottoman Turks took over was because they were like, we've been Christian for hundreds of years. We're actually not going to change now because that's silly, right? right? So the Ottoman Turks didn't like that. And they were like, but still, we're not going to change. That's silly. We've been Christian for like a thousand plus years. Anyway, 1600 at that point, basically. So so I was like, oh, so I was also looking at the name of your business. Yes. So I was like, okay, what's that about? So let's Google it. <laughs> so I so I started on my Google slash Wikipedia journey and I was like, what's going on here? And I, I ended up with some Armenian mythology and I was like, hmm, this is interesting since we go back so far with Christianity that we still have a lot of evidence of what was going on before that happened. And also another thing I found that was super interesting. I'm sorry. I'm just going to give you guys fun facts this whole episode. Armenia, when you look at the language tree, I love languages. I think it's fascinating. On the Indo-European language tree, Armenia has its own branch, meaning that they're like, we don't know where this language came from. <laughs> it kind of just showed up and everyone started speaking it. And that's what happened. It has a lot of, oh, and I made a note about it. It has words from other languages, like from different Anatolian languages, Hitti, Hayek, Kuro, Euretian, Semitic languages, Aramaic, Iranian I, languages. I also believe it, it's very similar to Ethiopian, our alphabet. Oh, yes, it is. Yes. And that is the Aramaic. Is the it? Aramaic. Yes. Okay. That's that. that yeah, that's that connection. Yes, because I was looking at your alphabet, which is very, again going to sound funny but to me it's very aesthetically pleasing i like all the curves it makes me feel good when right. i look at it yeah it's very it, beautiful it's, it's very and it's hard to learn honestly it's not easy it's not an easy language yeah i was trying even pronouncing things are hard for me but it's very when you look at it it's very flowy it's very pretty and um, it's genderless which is nice oh okay yeah that is cool yeah. that is, and you know what a lot of languages even a lot of my my dad's native language too in the beginning was genderless like they had to invent words for it yes. for women and men when the british came mm -hmm. to colonize because they're like you guys don't have words we're like no because i don't know we just know who we're talking about we give them names and we talk about those people we don't know what's so difficult for you guys to understand <laughs> but the british were like no you can't do that yeah I yeah yeah <laughs> the so then we had I know. So it's like all of our words for women and men are only like 300 years old. It's like kind of hilarious. I think so. Yeah. That's stupid, but that's fine. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole today. We, we won't uh, go there. Yeah. <laughs> so again, when I was doing my uh, little research, so the Armenian mythology, they were said to worship this creator spirit and the creator spirit was called R. And then the embodiment of the sun was Arev. Am I saying that right? Arev, Arev? yes. Arev. Okay. Yes. Arev. And the Armenian people call themselves children of the sun. So I am guessing we have Arv and Armenian kind of coming together. Yes. Me, the children of the sun. And I really love that. The other thing is when you, and I know this is another random fact, when you look at a picture of Yerevan, the Yerevan, capital, yes. it is so, and everyone's like, you're really like Armenia. I do. It is so pretty. Um, it has this beautiful mountain 
behind it, it's really gorgeous. That's like when you look Ararad. at it, that's Ararad. Oh. That's Western Armenia, actually, which is like Eastern oh. Turkey. We're okay, just, uh, but it is Armenian. That's where yeah. Noah's Ark came. Um, and okay, yes, yes, I was reading that. Yes, yes. yes. Oh. It's so beautiful, the picture. Every time I see the picture, it's absolutely gorgeous. So, anyway, I know, sorry, I know I'm, like, fangirling over our country. I Everyone... love it. You should come visit. You should come visit. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, and there's this, and it's so pretty, and they have this. Like, <laughs> I know, I'm, like, whew, very excited. Okay, so... The other thing is, okay, in Armenia, the first millennia BCE, the Iranians came and they established Dominus. And I think it's the, I can never say the name of the empire, Achaemenian or something like that empire. I will write the name in it. I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing it. They came and they were like, oh, we're going to rule Armenia for a while. So what they did was they took their major religion at the time. Okay, it's first millennia BCE, a thousand BCE. And Zoroastrianism, it was the major religion at that time. So a lot of that had a lot of influence on the Armenian beliefs at that time. And they ended up melding those beliefs into their deities that they already had. Um, Zoroastrianism is its whole thing. And one day I'm going to do a whole episode on it because that's also completely and totally fascinating. So we'll talk about that later. It's very neat. Now, during the Hellenistic age in the third to first centuries BCE, a lot of Armenian deities were identified with Greek deities, which I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> so you have Aramazad was Zeus. Aramas. Aramas. Thank you. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Anahit. Anahit, yes. Okay, Anahit was Artemis. Yes. Vahagan. Vahagan, uh, yes, yes. Vahagan was Hercules. All right, this one has a dash on it, so we're not going to say it. I'm going to do my best. Astri. 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 Okay, I'm Astri. not going to. Yes, no, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's, it has one of those letters in there. Yeah. <laughs> and we were associated with Aphrodite. Then we have Nani. Nane, as, uh, associated with Athena. Athena, yes. Yes. Mir with Hephaestus. You know, I can't even say the one in Greek. Tyr with Apollo. Yes. Okay. So then, like I said, after this, the formal adoption, like we are, like Seta told us in 301, then a lot of these actually transformed in a lot of ways that it did in other countries to be associated with some of the Christian angels All and Christian gods. into it too it was a lot there's of that mm. yeah which like we don't really talk about that much i don't think we talk about it enough we're so christian that it's like anything other than that just feels like not natural like mm -hmm. abnormal almost and it's like almost unnatural and it's like it doesn't feel very it's it, and I, i'm not for, like i'm i've recently opened up myself into experimenting and connecting more into I, I mentioned that my first connection to like the spiritual world was like mother mary because that's what i was like taught and i was exposed yes. to which i love so much but we all i also have like this connection to my army the armenian gods that were that are around all the time and it's just it's an interesting almost transition because i come from a very christian household super super religious i don't consider myself religious but i am connected to that yes 
Oh, yes, I understand. I feel very similar to you. I come from a Christian background, but when I started learning about other things, I was, this is part of who I am too. And this is who, what maybe for me, like maybe four or five, six generations, that's who they were talking to. They weren't talking to Jesus. Do I love Jesus? Jesus is great. In my I love Jesus. I, yeah. yeah, Jesus is awesome. Are you kidding? Yeah. Like heart frequency all the way. Like he's literally yeah. the magician of like heart opening. Like yeah. literally. He, the people forget that. They're like, yeah. people are like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, which is, yeah, but he's also a magical being. And I, I certainly enjoy him. He's part of my practice to this day. Mary, my girl, part of my practice. Which She's up one, there. Mother Mary or Mother, Mary Magdalene? I love Mother Mary, but I've recently learned a lot about Mary Magdalene, who is also, I didn't realize how interesting she was. I just thought she was Jesus' He's, a friend. She's yes. the homie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love their story. It's amazing. Yes. It really is. I love her. She's, she is a homie. <laughs> said that. She's the homie. She's the homie. And she's like, she was down till the end. She was like, ride or die. You want Mary. Yeah. You want Mary Magdalene. Jesus's other friends were all like, "Eh." like they were like one foot in, one foot out. (laughs) She was there. Yeah. She's like, I'm checking the tombs. I'm going wherever he tells me to go. (laughs) I'll be on my way. She told, I'm washing feet. I'm doing whatever. I'm writing things yeah. down. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was a rider die. She was cool. So yes, I'm now starting to realize how neat she was and be like, damn, I really should incorporate her too because her energy is awesome. So she's am- yeah, no, she's amazing. She's also been I've always connected to her stories. Mm-hmm. We used to watch a lot of Jesus movies. I mean, yeah. Like, and she was around and I I had this curiosity and interest in her for like a lot of reasons and um later on she became like a guide and Mm. one of the first guides that like literally held my hand as i processed a lot of grief and shattered walls around the heart and opened the heart and it was just like it was it's a i just love working with her yes oh yes yes she's really cool we did like a, a episode kind of about her. Yeah. And when I learned about her, I was like, damn, this is awesome. I just, part of me does not like that, how like almost whitewashed she's become now through stories. Yeah. I'm like, she's not white. Okay. It's not yeah. White. It's not white. Stop, 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 stop. But. Yeah. <laughs> it's laughing because it's like, people don't realize that nobody in the Bible was white. Is what? Exactly. <laughs> Literally. No one. No one like, was white. They, like, I know Mary's like a white name now, but it's <laughs> like, it was not like, <sighs> People are like, oh, it was probably closer to Miriam at the time. Yes, that's the truth. It exactly. wasn't Mary. Exactly. Yes. Now we use Mary. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's Miriam. Yeah, you're exactly. right. Probably you're what? Right. <laughs> you're right. I know. And, and, and I know somebody right now is, wait, what? And I'm like, girl, <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't know. And I know you know some Miriams. And you're like, wait, what? And I'm like, I know. And yeah. I- There's so many versions of this name, though. Like, of over the word. Like, yes. literally. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And it's been, yeah, it's been very whitewashed from the beginning. None of these people were white. You can yeah. look and told tons of different artists and archaeologists yes. have made renderings of what Jesus probably looked like, what Mary probably looked like. And they were probably darker, tanner than you think. They weren't. Yeah. They all didn't look like they were from Sweden because <laughs> they were not. Yeah. 
geographically. Exactly. Yeah, they were not from that area. So it's yeah. okay. Yeah. And it's so funny because, not funny, but going back to the Armenian gods, there is this Ar- Armenian god. I'm, I've li- recently, like in the past couple of years, my relationship with Astrik and Nane, Astrik mm-hmm. who's Aphrodite and Nane who is Athena and mm-hmm. compared to greek mythology have been like have been showing up a lot in life in terms of deepening my starting to build that relationship with them and it's been really nice i have this star that i i've had since childhood like this star necklace Mm -hmm. i've had it since i was five and i started wearing it in a way of connecting to astrid more and more like in a more conscious way and um astrid means star in english Mm-hmm. And so, like, the star in tarot card, like, that start when okay. that showed up, like, I was, like, that started showing up in a way. And I was, like, okay, Astig, I see you. Yeah. And there's this pagan holiday that's, like, celebrated, like, around mid-July. And it's, like, a celebration of water and roses. Like, in, mm. on that, it's called Vartavad. And in Armenia that day, like, you can't walk in the street without being splashed with with water and getting mm. completely wet like oh. it's a way of blessing the other person and offering oh. them so there yeah and and it is said around that time in western armenia where my ancestors are from there was this mm-hmm. um area called mush mm-hmm. uh, and mush means mist almost mm. and Astrik would come down and there was a river in that area and she would like just she would bathe in that river and just like ask the mist, create a mist around her so no one would mm-hmm. be able to watch her. And then oh, smart. she would, <laughs> as she bathed, and then she would bring like lovers together around that time. Aww. Yeah, it's just, it's one of my favorites. Like, I love this story so much. I always lo- ha- love bringing her up and talking about her. It's oh. just, uh, she's a very sweet god that's uh, comes up in in harsh situations and like makes them sweeter oh wow that's so cute (laughs) (laughs) plus she's like you know what i want everyone to be blessed in this mist but i actually don't want everyone to see me naked so i'm just gonna just put a mist around me and put like a beautiful Yeah, beautiful, magical mist around me. So I'm just going to, I'm cool like that. (laughs) And that's where the name Moosh came from. That's where the, how it was named. It it is said, so according to Mm. the Mm. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, so that is, well, we all know about Ashlik now. Ashlik, yes. Ashlik. So we don't even have to go over that one. Um, (laughs) We yeah. have, yeah, we have Arv, who we talk, Arv, we talk about Arv, the god of the sun, who is also, a lot of these gods, too, are actually comparable to also Mesopotamian god. Yes. Yeah, true. which is cool. And we have Ag, which is the goddess of the dawn. And then we have, <clears throat> okay, it's angel, but with the thing on the L. So it is angel. Well, okay. But anyway, this it's like angel, but it's like you said Ashlik, and that L is like like a L sound. Astrik. Astrik. Um, and how is it spelled? It's spelled like angel, uh-huh. but the L has that like mark on it. I'm not. I'm, I don't think I've heard of this. Okay, so I'm gonna. Okay, so I'm just gonna call this god 
angel for now, but I'll show mm. you guys how it is written yeah. in the show notes. Um, so it's the also called the invisible or the unseen. And this is the god of the underworld, actually. So this is comparable to your um, Hades. Uh, they just rule the underworld down there, but not like in a negative way. They That's right. just where they rule. Yeah. <laughs> then we have Torque, who is the son of this angel the great grandson actually and he's a monstrous and ugly hero okay he threw massive boulders to sink ships in the black sea and sometimes people actually equate him with a almost like thor but obviously they didn't know that at the time but they were saying right. he's, he's like a thor-like character we have vanator and this is the lord of van or also called given asylum asylum Vanator is the god of hospitality. And it sounds like, from everything, that makes a lot of sense. I find that cultures that have really big community always have, like, a god of being kind to your guests. <laughs> we have a whole god for that because that's just, like, what we do all the time. We're good hosts. So we have that. And then we have... They have this one, okay? I'm going to attempt. It's Anadiatin, which is the abysmal serpent. Again, I'll spell it out on the blog. And this lives, he lives in the black waters surrounding the world tree. So apparently here we have another world tree, just comparable again to Norse mythology. I love that. So that's a couple of the different deities from Armenian mythology. At least the ones I could pronounce. And we're going to go, and like I said, there's a big Zoroastrianism influence, but I'm not going to go into all of that because it's, it gets complicated and I would rather explain Zoroastrianism first. So we'll also, do that another time. Uh, go ahead. The, there, like even um, the architecture in Christianity is very mm -hmm. like highly influenced by paganism. Yes. And also like the Christian holidays that are celebrated, a lot of them are like have that influence. Okay. Yes. Oh, <clears throat> and I also forgot we have some oh I love to find out also about monsters and different spirits in different cultures so we have a yeah. couple spirits and monsters so first we have Al which I hope I'm pronouncing that because there's only two letters Al is a dwarfish evil spirit that attacks pregnant women and steals newborn babies described as a half animal and half man its teeth are of iron and nails and bra of brass and copper and it usually wears a pointy hat covered in bells but it can become invisible Ooh, that's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> then we have Arle Arles, the oldest Arles, god in the Ar yeah. yes in the Armenian pantheon. Arles is a dog-like creature with powers to resuscitate fallen warriors and resurrect the dead by licking the wounds clean. Nice. Okay. <laughs> then you have devs, and the dev are error-composed spirit cr creatures that actually originate from Zoroastrian mythology. But they share a lot of similarities with, like, angels and demons. They can reside in stony places and ruins. and But they usually keep to themselves and don't bother people. Then you have Shahapet. The Shahapet. They have, like, a couple different names. They're uh -huh. usually the friendly guardians of Armenian. But they also show up in Slavic and Persian mythology. And they appear in the form of serpents. They, have, they come into houses, orchards, fields, forests, graveyards, and other places. They're usually places where there's agriculture going on. And they, they're usually treated well because like, they can bless a home. And they can, yeah, they can give the home gold sometimes. But if you are not nice to them, 
they might cause arguments in your house. So be nice to your local Shaha pet. Um, and we have Hang that Hang was a river dwelling mo serpent monster with shape shifting powers that is connected to dragons. There's a lot of dragons going on here too. A lot of dragons. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I was like, oh, Armenians got a lot of dragons, and we also we got a guy. Them, we call them Vishab. Vishab. Dragon yeah, that was the next one. Vishab yeah. is a dragon closely associated with water, and it's usually depicted as a winged snake or a combination of elements from different animals. Prior to Irene, Iranian domination in Armenia, the dragon may have been called a gel, which was connected to Hurian. Okay, these were too hard to pronounce, guys. Hurian culture or Hitti culture. Okay. <laughs> I can't pronounce those two words. I'm so sorry. Okay. So these are some creatures, too. All right. So we've gotten through that. I'm so sorry. I know I stumbled on the names, but we've gotten through that to a point where I don't have to do a lot of names because now we're doing our story time. We're going to tell a folktale now. And I really, I heard this folktale. I listened to a podcast called Tales a lot of the time, which I really love. And they do folktales from all around the world. This folktale I thought was really fun. So this is your Armenian version of the Cinderella, but way more fun. Um, not fun necessarily, but it's, it's interesting. So... <laughs> So this story is called The Golden Maiden, everyone, okay? Yay, we're excited. So the one time there was a guy, and he had a son and a daughter, and his wife passed away. So he was just left with his son and a daughter. And so what was he going to do? He's, I don't, this is ancient times. I need a lady around, right? That's what everyone did. So he was like, he married this woman, but it turns out she was horrible. She was really mean, and... I'm not saying this because I didn't see the girl, but her daughter was ugly. That's according to the story. That's what they said. Don't judge me for saying that she's ugly. So her daughter was ugly. So the stepmom, she really hated the girl and her brother talking about her husband's children. Couldn't stand them. So she was constantly trying to tell her husband, you got to get rid of these kids. I can't stand them. And the husband's like, I love my kids. I'm not getting rid of them. But what had happened was the husband started to get really frail and he realized like, I need someone to help me and take care of me. And I don't have that. So he decided, okay, this sucks. I guess I'm going to have to get rid of my kids. So he leads them into the forest one day. He sits them down on a rock. He gives them his cloak to protect them from the sun. And they're like, what are we doing out here, dad? And the dad's like, just don't worry. Just chill. Don't worry. And he starts crying. And they're like, dad, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm just so sad because I don't have a lot of food. And they're like, uh, okay. So he brings out like this bag of bread and gives it to them. And they're like, okay. And the little boy is like, oh, I'm so thirsty. And the dad's like, okay, chill here. I'll be back. Let me go get some water. So now the kids are waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. The dad didn't come back. So the girl who's older than the boy, she's like, oh shit. <laughs> She's like, this is bad. Um, <laughs> okay. So they're like, now we got to go find food and water because obviously I think our father has abandoned us. So they start walking. And the little boy says to his sister, he's like, oh, look, there's a horse trough over there. We see some horses. I'm going to go drink that water. She's like, do not drink that water. You will turn into a horse. I don't know how she knew, but she knew. So he said, okay, fine. So they kept walking. 
Then they saw an ox drinking some water. He said, oh, I'm going to go drink that water. She said, do not do that. It will turn into an ox. And the little boy's getting frustrated, but he's walking with his sister because she's a big sister. You know how big siblings are. They tell you what to do. So so, they keep walking. And this happens again. Now, three more times, they see a bear drinking water. She tells him, don't, you'll become a bear. They see a pig. Don't do it. You'll become a pig. They sell a wolf. And he's like, all right, actually, I don't want to become a wolf. I guess I'll keep going. Then finally, he sees one. And it's a lamb drinking water. And he's like, I'm so thirsty. We've been walking for so long. I'm going to lose my mind. He goes and drinks the water. And she's like, oh, no. And then (laughs) he became a lamb. Oh, no. (laughs) So terrible. So now, now only are they lost in the forest. Now her brother's a lamb. This sucks. Like, he's the worst day ever. <laughs> this girl is like, why don't you listen to me? <laughs> She's like, I keep telling you about this animal drinking water. I told you not to do it, but he did it. So now listen she's like, to your old siblings, always. <laughs> your older sibling. We know what's going on. Stop. <laughs> now her brother's a lamb, and they're like, oh my god, this is so bad. So she starts walking, and they walk all the way back to town. Finally, they get home and the stepmother is pissed. She thought they were dead and they were like, absolutely not. She's like, I'm here with my lamb brother. And they were like, the stepmom was like, what? So she, so she then tells the husband, you know what? You need to kill that lamb because I want to eat it. So the older sister being nosy, which she should have been, she heard. She said, oh, no, they're going to kill my lamb brother. I got to go. So she picks him up and they run. They run up into the mountain. Okay. And now they're in the mountain. Does the girl know what she's going to do? Absolutely not. She doesn't have a plan from here, but it's okay. So she's just making wool and her brother's eating grass because he's a lamb down. That's what lambs do. And her spindle that she was using it runs off into a cave and she's like, oh shit, I gotta go get my spindle. So she goes and gets her spindle and she goes in the cave. There's a thousand year old lady in there. She's like, what? This is crazy. So there's a fairy, a thousand year old fairy in there. And the lady's like, can I help you? Why are you in my cave? And she's like, oh, the girl being smart. She said, oh, grandmother, your love brought me here. Oh, that's a slick line. Yes. So the fairy was like, oh my God, that's so sweet. He's like, sit down, let's talk. So they start chatting. And then the fairy was like, I'm going to give you something to eat since we've been talking so long. And it was a bunch of cooked snakes. Now the girl is like, oh my God, I don't want to eat this. You know, when you go to someone's house and you are they're offering you food, you don't want to be rude, but you don't want to eat that. It's okay. So, so the girl was like, what do I do? So the girl's like, oh, and the fairy was like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, so she pretends it's fish. She pretends she doesn't know it's snake. She said, oh my God, fish. My mom used to make fish all the time. And I miss my mom so much. Oh no. So she starts crying. And the fairy was like, oh my God, you poor girl. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so then the she's like, tell me like your story. So the young girl tells the fairy mom about everything that happened to her. Like, I got this awful stepmom. My brother's a a lamb. I don't know what to do with my life. My dad abandoned me in the forest. I can't trust him anymore. Like, like I'm going through it. So (laughs) the fairy was like, okay, I have a plan. This is what we're going to do and help you. She's like, but first I need a nap. I really need to take a nap. So she's like, let me sleep on your lap. And that like hot poker by the fireplace. 
I want you to do something for me. There's going to be a black fairy that passes by. When the black fairy passes by, don't wake me up. But when you see the red and the green fairy pass by, use a hot poker to poke my feet. And the girl's like, damn, can I just shake you? And she's like, no, I need you to use a hot poker. So the girl didn't really want to do that because she doesn't want to hurt her new friend. But okay. So she did what she asked. So there was the fairy mom was sleeping she saw the black fairy the black fairy went by then she saw the red and the green fairy they came by and she poked her with a hot poker and the lady's like oh my god what's going on? she's like you told me to do that <laughs> told me to poke you and she's like oh yeah i forgot sorry so- <laughs> my bad um so she gets up and the red and green fairy has a beautiful red and green ray behind them. And she uses their rays to put them on the girl. And the girl turns into this golden meat and her clothes are made of gold. Her shoes are made of gold. Her hair is now made of gold. And she was like, what? This is crazy. And then the girl was like, oh my God, fairy mom, thanks so much. You're the best. So she kisses her hand and she's like, I'm going to go. I got to go get my lamb brother and take him home. So the fairy mom's no problem. I love you. It's fine. So she goes home. It's very sweet. She goes home. Now the stepmom is like, oh, the stepmom wasn't home when she got there. Thank God. So she gets in the house, right? She takes off her gold clothes and she puts on some rags because she don't want the stepmom to know she got gold clothes. And she has her brother in the yard eating more grass because that's what lambs do. So she left him there and she puts her clothes in a secret corner. Then when the stepmom entered, though, she sees her golden hair, which she can't hide. And she goes, what happened to you? And she's like, oh, uh, crazy story. I was on the mountain because you were trying to eat my brother. And I found this fairy in a cave and she turned my hair into gold. And stepmom was like, what? And she's like, yep, mm -hmm, that's what happened. It's the truth. It is what happened. So the stepmom was like, well, I'm going to get my daughter to go do that to fix her ugliness, right? So she tells her daughter, go take a spindle. Go do the same thing that your stepsister did. So her daughter does. But immediately upon seeing the other daughter, the fairy was like, ooh, I don't like you, and made her uglier. Oh no, she's uglier now. It's a problem. So now she comes back. The stepmom's like, how did you get uglier? She's like, the fairy mom didn't like me. So the stepmom's now even angrier. Okay, so everyone's pissed. But thank God nobody ate the brother yet. So we're okay for now. <laughs> yeah. So now, this say it's a couple days later. I don't know, maybe a day or a week. The king of the land, he had a really good looking son. And he said, I need a wife for my son. So I'm sending out a message to all the local ladies. I want you all to come to the palace courtyard so my son can look at all of you and decide who he likes. Because that's how we decide who we want to marry in ancient times. We just look at their faces. He's not taking you on a date, ladies. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe later after you get married. So... All the eligible bachelorettes in the kingdom got the message and the stepmom got the message and she was like, I'm going to send my daughter out there. But she sent her with a veil over her face because she is so unattractive, apparently. So she knew that the golden maiden now, the one with the pretty hair, that she didn't want her to go because she was so pretty. She was even prettier than she was before. So the stepmom took a bunch of like wheat grains and she threw it all over the yard. And she's like, I want you to pick up every wheat grain. And if you don't, when I come back, I'm going to kill you. 
it's a little extreme, but okay. So the the girl was like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> like there's wheat grains everywhere. What am I going to do? I need to go meet this prince. <laughs> so she went into the chicken coop. She got all the chickens out because my girl is smart. She said, let me put these chickens out. And the chickens ate all the grains. No problem. Every single one. She's like, great. So she runs back into the house. She gets on her golden clothes. And she's like, let me get to the palace real quick. So she runs. Here she goes. She gets there. And everyone can't stop looking at her because she looks so good. She's got golden hair. She's got beautiful golden clothes. Everyone's looking. But I think, this is where the story got a little confusing. I think the prince didn't get to see her but everyone else did so because she had to go back home before the stepmom came back so she had to go back home put her clothes away again get back into her rags but when she was running she left her golden shoe of course okay she left it oh shit where's my shoe she doesn't know but she went home put on her old rags now back at the palace everybody's left right and the servants are getting the horses to the main fountain. They're like, okay, well, the horses got to drink. They're thirsty. Now the horses are like doing that thing horses do where they get nervous and they start going, Aah! and they throw their arms up or whatever, their legs. <laughs> horses don't have arms. They throw their legs up because they're nervous. And they're like, why are these horses so jumpy? And then they see the gleam from the sunlight of the golden shoe. And it was making the horses nervous. So they were like, whose golden shoe is this? This is crazy. And they take it to the prince. And the prince decides, because again, this is a fairy tale. He said, I'm going to marry whoever's golden shoe this is because I love it. And I've decided that whoever wears it, I'm in love with her. Okay, fine. That's fine. So now the servants, they're like, okay, we got to take the golden shoe around and we got to figure out who it belongs to. So they start going around the town's. So they get to our golden maiden's house. Now, because the stepmom is so nasty, she's like, golden maiden, you got to go hide in this fire pit because I don't want the prince to see you and how pretty you are. I want him to look at my daughter. And she's like, okay, that's weird, but fine. So she goes in the pit and the stepmom answers the door. And she's like, hello, royal congregation. I present to you my daughter. And of course the daughter had a veil over her face because she wasn't attractive and they didn't want her to see it. Then the, <coughs> sorry. They try on the shoe. And of course, it doesn't fit her. So they're like, oh, my God. And then this happened in another story. There's always a rooster who would just be telling stories. The rooster came and the rooster was like, she's in the pit. And they were like, who? They're like, the golden maiden's in the pit. And they're like, what golden maiden? So they go in the fire pit and they see this girl in there. And they're like, what the hell are you doing in here? And she's like, I don't know. I don't want to die. Everyone's always threatening me. They're trying to kill my brother. Like, I'm going through a lot. <laughs> so they pull her out. So they pull her out. They try the shoe on and it fits. Oh, my God. And the prince is like, I'm marrying you. And she's like, great. I've been living in abject poverty and I'm trying to save my brother. This is so hard. So great. Now they have a seven day wedding. She's got her brother there in the palace. She's like, great, nothing will happen to my brother. She explains that her brother's a lamb. The prince is like, that's fine. I don't mind that your brother's a lamb. He can stay with us. <laughs> Nobody will touch your brother. She's like, great. That's all I'm trying to do. So then now after a while, the stepmom, she comes, okay? She's so shady. She comes trying to be all friends, right, with our golden maiden. And she's like, hey, girl, you want to take a walk with me and your stepsister? And the golden maiden's like, a really good person so she's like okay i'm gonna forgive and forget like i'm i'm a queen now like i can't be mad about this anymore 
So she's like, fine, I'll go on a walk. So they go on a walk to the beach and she's like, let's go swimming, the stepmom. And she's like, okay, let's go swimming. That'll be fun. So they start going swimming. And what does the stepmom do? She takes her head and she puts it in the water and she pushes her into the deep water. Oh my God, what's our girl going to do? I don't know how well she can swim. It doesn't matter. She gets swallowed by a big fish. Oh shit. What's going on? What are we going to do? So, so the stepmom gets off the shore. She's like, ha ha, she's dead now. And then, weirdly enough, the I love how people just survive in fishes for so long in all these folktales. It makes me laugh. She just lived in this fish for days. No, but she did. And we're happy, right? Oh, the other thing the stepmom was trying to do, she took the golden maiden's clothes and put it on the ugly daughter and tried to pass her. And the prince was like, what's happening here? I don't know who this is. Why is she wearing my wife's clothes? At the same time, the prince fi- figured out the sexton so the sexton is the one who like calls everybody to go to church apparently the golden maiden's in the fish right she's in the fish but she can hear what's going on land and she hears the sexton ringing the church bell and she yells starts yelling from the fish she says sexton sexton who ring your morning bell crossing your face send the devils to hell for god's sake go to the young prince and tell let him not kill my lamb brother or sell Wow. So she was in the belly of a fish and she was still worried about her brother. This is the best sister in the world. <laughs> like, I know I'm stuck in the belly of a fish and I haven't eaten or drank anything for days, but just don't kill my brother. <laughs> this is the best sister on earth. <laughs> She's such a good person. So the sexton heard this. And he was like, oh my God, where's that coming from? And he realized it's coming from a fish in the lake. So he goes and he's Prince. Oh my God, I think your wife's in a fish. And he said, what? <laughs> you mean, he said, I heard a fish yelling and it can't be the fish. So it must be your wife. She's stuck in a fish. So the prince is like, oh my God. So he gets his best sword and he's going on, on horseback, I'm sure, because we're on horses now. And he's like, oh my God, we got to get to the lake. So he gets to the lake and he runs in the lake and he slays the fish. He opens the belly of the fish and thank God his wife is alive. They've only been married for like a week at this point. Like, he can't already be a widower. <laughs> So she gets out of the fish. Thank God. Oh my God. So we're so happy she's alive. So now she tells the whole story of what had happened. She's like, is my brother still alive? He's like, of course. He's like, are you okay though? And she's like, yes, but I'm so worried about my brother. He's a lamb. So, so now they go back to the palace and they're at the court and the prince is like, I want you to call the stepmom." So the prince calls her and she gets there and she's like oh prince what's going on like hey and he's like she's like hey girl hey gold maiden how you doing and she's like yeah bitch okay and so she's like, <laughs> like okay you think i'm stupid that's fine so he says kind the prince says this now he says kind mother what gift do you prefer a nimble-footed horse or a keen sword and the mom was like, oh, my God, you want to give me a present? That's so sweet. She's like, actually, let your keen sword keep it. You need it to slay your enemies. And you're a prince when you go to war. She's like, I will totally have a horse. That would be great. A nimble-footed horse? That sounds like a dream. No problem. He's like, okay, I'll take your word for it. You can have the horse. <clears throat> oh, no. What did he do? 
he took a rope and strapped it to the tail of the horse. And then he tied the stepmom and he, you know, sent the horse off. And he said, that's what you get for trying to kill my wife. And then he also did the same thing to the stepdaughter. And, you know, they ended up dying. Oh, no. But that sucked. But they also tried to kill our friend. So we don't like them. So now the story is coming to an end. And the wicked people were punished. The prince was like, actually, since we got married, but I feel like we should have a a new wedding since you're alive. So they had another 40-day and 40-night wedding. That sounds like fun. And... Then they also had the lamb brother there and they made a nice little house for him. They gave him all the grains and grass he could eat and he lived forever with his sister and everything was good. And they lived happily ever after. Yay. (laughs) That's got to be one of my favorite Cinderella stories that I've read. Yes. Like, I was just a little disappointed that we couldn't figure out how to turn the brother back into a human. Like, it's but... a story. Make it happy. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> I'm like, can't you guys go back to the fairy lady? The thousand-year-old fairy? Yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, she I told loved you. how, like, she was calling for her brother. Like, <laughs> Don't kill my brother. Don't... I'm still alive. I'm in the belly of a fish, I'm but coming. make sure you don't eat my brother. <laughs> Ma'am, can we save you? It's like on the airplane when they say put the oxygen on yes. yourself first. Ma'am, yes. can we save you from the fish first? Calm down. We'll get him. Don't worry. Oh, oh I love it. women. <laughs> They're selfless. Literally. <laughs> it's no problem. Save my relations. Please save them. So... This brings us to the end of our episode. So, Sata, thank you so much for being here. This has been... Of course, this has been a good time. And just tell people where they can find you on the internet. Yes, my social is on Instagram. I am Arev Alchemy. And my website is on there as well. And my DMs are always open if anybody wants to have a conversation. And yeah. Okay, thank you so much. And again, we're time with the divine. And we're Instagram, we're on Facebook. If you really like the show, please give us a rating. That's always helpful. You can say, if you have suggestions for the episodes or questions or comments, please feel free to email me at dinewiththedivinepod at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me, Ashley, I'm Sankofa HS. That's S-A-N-K-O-F-A-H-S and Sankofa Healing Sanctuary on Facebook. Thank you so much, Sata. This has been so great. And everybody, thank you for listening. And I hope you have an absolutely wonderful week. And I'll see you next time. Goodbye.